0: Hey, if you got your Bibles with you today, let's look over at uh, the book of Acts, Acts 3, and verse 19. And we're going to continue this series. We've been talking about revival starts with me. Can we say that together? Revival starts with me. Grab your finger right here. Put it up. Now, point at yourself, not your neighbor. Everybody say, revival starts with with me. One more time. Revival starts with me. So we're going to turn to Acts 3 and verse 19 in the New King James Version. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Now let's read it in the Weymouth translation. And it says this, repent therefore and reform your lives so the record of your sins may be canceled. And notice, and there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. Seasons of revival from the Lord. So we're going to continue today talking about revival. It starts with me. But today I want to talk about specifically three hindrances to personal revival. Three hindrances to personal revival revival. So today we're continuing this series. I want to share a few things with you before we get to those three things we want to share in a moment. But we've been talking about revival on Sunday mornings. Hopefully you guys have been getting something out of this. Uh, If you haven't been able to hear the messages they are on podcast, you can go to iTunes. You can also go to our website and listen to them anytime. But the first week we talked about revival starts with me to kind of Introduce this series, and last week we talked about new wine and new power. We talked about how God wants to pour something new into our life, but we have to be a vessel to receive it. We have to be the right vessel that God can pour something new into, and we must decide that God doesn't decide that for us because He always wants to pour something new into our life, but we have to be a vessel that's ready to receive it. And so That's what we talked about last week, but this week I want to talk about some hindrances to personal revival in our life. Now, we all need revival in here, whether we admit it or not. And revival in our lives is a reawakening. It is a reigniting of God's power, God's passion, God's presence in our lives. Revival is not for lost people. It affects lost people, but it's not for lost people. Revival is for the church. And what happens is this. When revival comes to the church, God revives the once alive, and they come alive again with his power, with his presence, and then they go outside of the four walls and do the work and the mission of God. But revival is for the church. And when God revives us, it starts with us, but it doesn't stop with us. Because revival's bigger than just us. It's not just for us. And it's not just in us. When God revives us, he does it for a purpose. He does it for a reason. When you fill God in God's presence, it's not just for you. It's for somebody else. When God heals you, it's not just for you. It's so you can go heal somebody else. When God delivers you, it's not just for you. It's so you will go out and deliver somebody else. When God fills you up, it's not just for you. It's so you can go fill somebody else up. God does it for a reason and you've heard this verse you're blessed to be a blessing that's not just talking about money when God does something in you he wants to have that blessing flow through you to somebody else and so revival starts with us but it doesn't end with us and God revives his church the once alive and he does it for a purpose and for a reason We need to stop waiting on God and waiting for others because revival starts with us. If we don't get this title of this series, which is Revival Starts With Me, we'll be waiting the rest of our lives on God to do something. We'll be waiting on pastors and preachers and worship teams, and we'll be waiting on uh, the excited people at the church You know, the excited people, that get on your nerves because you're not excited and it makes you look bad at church. It's like, shut up. Come on. I know I'm dry, but don't don't reveal that to everybody by your response next to me here. And and so we see that um, God wants to do something in us and revival has to start with you because if it doesn't, who does it start with? Who does it start with? Who does it start with? Well, it starts with us. It starts with us. And we have to have that mentality everyone in the church, everyone involved, revival starts with me. That's how a church gets into revival. That's how a church flows with revival, that everyone takes personal responsibility for what's happening in their church. Because it's my church. You remember that? Because it's my church. And if I'm all in, revival starts with me. I'm not waiting on Brother Les. I'm not waiting on Brother Dale. I'm not waiting on Miss Donna. I'm not waiting for pastors and preachers and the worship team. Revival starts with me because it's my church. And I'm all in. And if I'm going to have revival, not just in my personal life, but as a church, it has to start with me. You guys getting something so far today? So we see the revival starts with me. But there is um, some things that we want to talk about today that can be hindrances to revival in our personal life. In studying revival, these are the four words, and I've repeated them the last few weeks, but we need to realize these are the four common words or phrases that come up when studying revival in and people that have had revival all throughout history, if you read about the subject of revival, you're going to see these words come up time and time again. And those words are this. People who had revival, churches who had revival, nations who had revival, these words come up. Desire, desperation, hunger, humility. Desire, desperation, hunger, and humility. Now, you don't have to say it out loud, but look at your spiritual life. Do any of those words apply to your spiritual life whatsoever? Let me answer it for you. Probably not. Because I know this because God preaches to me before I preach it to you. And especially if you've been in church a while and God has done great things in your life and we live in a country and we live in a nation that's so blessed like we are, Desire, desperation, hunger, and humility are not the, the phrases that we would use for your life and your spiritual condition. The phrases would be comfort, pride, apathy. Words like that. That do not make you evil. That doesn't make you wrong. That just means that it can happen to anybody. If you read your Bible, even churches in the New Testament, that were thriving at one time, that were on fire for God, later on he would correct them and say, what happened to you guys? You used to be on fire. You used to be passionate. You used to have revival. What happened to you? Why? Because it can happen to all of us. So easy for us to slip into this place of not having revival Because we don't have desire, we don't have desperation, we don't have hunger, we don't have humility anymore towards God or the things of God. And that's why we don't have it personally, because it starts with you. But we don't have it corporately as a church. So revival starts with us. I want to give you three things today that can hinder personal revival in your life. Now, I thought of it like this. A lot of us have used the hose this summer outside. How many of you have used a hose at your house or at your job? A lot of you. Watering your plants, maybe spraying the kids. Whatever you got to do, you've used that before. But you know what? It doesn't matter how big the hose is. doesn't matter how much the water's turned up. If there's a kink in the hose... There's nothing coming through. It doesn't even have to be big. It could be a little twist in the hose, twisting it the wrong way. And even though the water is on full blast, nothing is getting through. For us, let's be honest, that is our spiritual life because it's never on God's side whatsoever. It's never on God's side. We are like that hose. And God's power and God's presence and revival is on full blast all the time. And what happens is we get hindrances or kinks in our hose that doesn't let God's power and presence flow through it. And a lot of times we're blaming other people. We're blaming God. Why isn't your power flowing? Why am I not in revival? It's because you need to straighten out your hose. You need to straighten out something in your life. You need to take away the blockage or the hindrance because God's power is flowing. But there's a hindrance on our side that's stopping God's power from flowing. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So that's the best example I could think of to give you today. God's power is always on high. God's power is always flowing. Kind of like we said before, God's always speaking. God's always speaking. Now what's the problem? We're not always listening. God's always speaking. God's always moving. God's power is always present. God's presence is always here to do something. Revival is flowing. But on our side, We decide whether our hose is straight and right and the water is flowing through it, the water of the Holy Spirit, or we decide whether there's hindrances or knots or kinks in our hose that is stopping the presence of God from moving in our life. Come on, are you picking up what I'm laying down today? And that's on our side. So these are some things that could be a kink in your hose today. That's not letting God's power move into your life. I wanna say one other thing before we start into these three. It's never big stuff, never. It's not big stuff, because it was big stuff, you would take care of it. If it was something big, you had already done something about it. What does the Bible say? It's the small foxes that spoil the vines. It's the small things in our life that cause us to trip up. It's the small issues that we overlook. And why do we overlook them? Because they're small. And we think, well, because they're small, they're no big deal. But those are the issues that hinder our spiritual life are the small things, not the big things. So we see when I list these three things, I'm guilty of all three of these. Probably you are too. But they're small things, but they can turn into big things when we don't take care of them. And then we stop God's power from moving in our life because we don't deal with those kinks in the hose. We don't deal with those things that are blocking the power of God. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's look at the first one, Matthew 15 and verse 6. And this is going to be in the Passion Translation. So let me give you a little context before we read this verse. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 15 and verse 6 in the Passion Translation. So this is the context. Jesus comes on the scene, and he's talking to the religious people of that day, and he says, you guys have all these rules and all these commandments and all these traditions, and some of them started out good, But through the years, you've made your traditions more important than the word of God. And that's why God isn't moving in your life because you're following a tradition more than actual the words of God. So this is what the scripture says, Matthew 15 and verse 6. Now, earlier he was talking about the commandment about honoring your father and mother. And notice he said to these religious people, this doesn't honor your father or mother. And you have elevated your tradition Above the words of God. You have elevated your tradition above the words of God. So the first thing that hinders revival in our personal life is tradition. Tradition. Now this is what tradition is in our life. And I would say this one is more for people that have been saved a while that have been in church a while. You know when to shout. You know when to stand up. You know when to shut up. You know when to go to the altar. You know when to open your Bible. You know when to come to service. Tradition can stop revival in your life. Because we can be just like these religious people. They elevated their tradition above the words of God. If you can't find it in this book, it's open to change. Now, we shared a few weeks ago, every denomination that you know of today, which there's hundreds of denominations in the body of Christ, in the church, hundreds of them, every denomination started in revival. Every denomination started in a move of God. But why today in 2018 are a lot of denominations dying? A lot of denominations are shrinking. A lot of denominations are having to sell their buildings all around the world. Why does that happen? Because they made their traditions more important than the word of God. And so God stopped moving there because of tradition. Because they'd rather have it the way they've always had it than to go on to do something new with what God is doing. So they're going to refuse to sing a new song that God is moving in because I want to sing out of the hymnal. And don't you dare get nice new chairs that actually make your back feel good. I want to sit in a broken down pew. Because that's the presence of God. No, it's not. Those are all things that can change, and they need to change. But when you have that attitude, God can't move in your your life. Just like we said last week, if you're not going to be a new wineskin, God can't pour in new wine. And a lot of those churches have become old wineskins because of tradition. Now, what's an old wineskin? An old wineskin is something that has become hard towards God, has become brittle, has become unflexible, unable to change anymore. That's an old wineskin, and God said in his word, I want to pour something new into something that's old and brittle and hard towards the things of God. And so a lot of times denominational people will turn into someone who loves tradition more than the word of God. So God stopped moving in their life 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 30 years ago. 40 years ago and they're blaming on God and they're praying for revival it won't happen until you change come on are you hearing me today so we could put traditions above the word of God we could put traditions in our life above God doing something new in our life I love it it says in Isaiah behold I will do a new thing And notice what he says next. Shall you not know it? Meaning I'm doing something new all the time, but there's people that know me but don't know I'm doing something new. And they're missing it. Why do they miss it? Because they'd rather have tradition than God's word. They'd rather have tradition than revival. They'd rather have tradition than God doing something new. Let us never be like that church family. And like I said, this first one is, especially for those of you who have been saved a while, you've been in church a while, it's easier for us to be like that more than anybody. But you always have to be open to what God is doing new, because God's always doing something new. He's always doing something fresh. He's always doing something that we can be a part of, but we have to be open and put aside our tradition. And you could say, You can still honor your tradition, but say that was good for that season, but that season is over. God is doing something new. We don't dishonor what God did in the past, but we build upon it. Now, I know in a church like ours, we pride ourselves in not being traditional. But we're traditional. Traditional. We think we're so cool because we're non-denominational. We're word and spirit. Everybody's like, what in the world does that mean? We're word of faith. We're not traditional. Just because we're not under a denomination doesn't mean we're not traditional. There's a lot of churches just like us that refuse to change all over the world. And they're dying too. And they're still holding on, thinking that they're the remnant that God is using. No, they're not. They're dying. And their church is dying. And their worship is dying. And there's no young people anymore. And God's not moving in their midst. And they think they're right. Am I hitting a little too close to home here? Sorry. So they're just as traditional as a denomination. Because why? They're putting their traditions above the word of God. Now this is going to be a joke, but it's going to be funny towards one specific person. You ready for this? <sighs> We've always had plants on the stage. Why move them? Uh, what person is that? Uh, yeah. Surely that isn't me. No, that wasn't you. Look, there's no plants up here anymore. <laughs> Tradition. Hey, you think it's funny, but you go in any Word of Faith church today that hasn't changed, there's going to be flowers and plants on the stage. There is. It's weird. It's tradition. Those plants died in the 90s, and it's 2018. Why is there still plants on the stage? Or it could be the way we dress. Or it could be the way we do music. Most churches like ours, we're the exception, are still doing rhema praise music from 1980s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <don't> do that. <laughs> and we could say God's still moving with that. Well, maybe in your personal devotional life, but not on Sunday morning. No. And they're thinking by doing a 1980s rhema praise set that people are feeling the presence of God. No, God moved in that season like that way, but he's moving different today. It's tradition. Now, you hear what I'm saying. I'm an old church soul. I've explained this before. I'm a 65-year-old black man on the inside, (laughs) and spiritually wise, not physically, spiritually wise. So I love all those things because I grew up that way, and I'm an old church soul for a 31-year-old. But I even know things have to change. Things have to change. If it's not the word of God, things have to change. The music has to change. The style has to change. The technology has to change. The way we share the gospel with people has to change. The way we talk to people in 2018 is not the same way you can talk to them in 1985 at a faith conference. Can't do it. They don't get it. And we can be as traditional as a denomination and think we're right. Are you receiving this? Now, that's the part that's scary. They really think they're right and they think they're holding out because they're the only right ones left. We're the only remnant that's still preaching the gospel. No, you're not, you're dying. God moved like that in the past, but He's doing something new today. And the things you're fighting over are not in the Bible, they're your personal preferences. How much do you want God to move in your life? That's the question. How much do you want God to move in your life? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to be flexible? Are you willing to try something new? Are you willing to do something new? Because if you're not, God's not moving. Because tradition, you could be just, you know, we read that and we're like, I'm not the religious person in that story. Yes, you are. We all are. Don't we read the Bible like that, like we're Jesus? (laughs) Like we're Jesus in the story and other people are the religious people. No, you're the religious person that's getting called out in the story. We always read ourselves as the hero of the story, don't we? No, you're not. You're the one getting rebuked. Like, you're not Jesus. You're Peter that's getting told that, get behind me, Satan. You're not Jesus in the story. (laughs) So we could put tradition... What did it, what it say? You elevate tradition above the word of God. And you make what God wants to do of your, in your life of no effect because of tradition. I heard somebody say this before and I believe it. The famous last words of a dying church in a dying believer is, I've always done it this way. Good. And that worked for a season, but the season's over. And it's time to do something new. We honor the past, but we gotta move with what God's doing in the future. Come on, are you here in my heart today? So don't be one of those people who say, We've always done it this way. God wants to do something new. Can I give you a few ideas on how to break some traditions in your life? Read a new translation of the Bible you never read before. Read a new translation. I would say there's great translations out there, especially like the Passion Translation. Read it, the Message, New Living Translation. Read a new translation, it will make you read the Bible in a new way. Maybe you've been stuck reading the same translation and you're not receiving anything. Change. Maybe put on a different worship CD. Maybe come ask the worship team, some of these guys up here that are always listening to new worship music, what's a good worship CD I can get? What's something new? What are you listening to lately that God is moving, a new song, a new album? Because there's all sorts of stuff coming out all the time through the body of Christ. Maybe take out your 1992 (laughs) Darlene Check Hillsong CD, God bless it, and put something new on. Maybe listen to a new podcast. Someone that God is speaking to you through. Maybe change up your routine with God. If you pray in the morning, pray at night. If you pray at night, pray in the morning. Talk to some other people that you can trust and you know that are spiritual people and ask them what they do in their relationship with God. These are just some ways we can break tradition in our life and move with what God is doing. We have to have the attitude, if we want personal revival, then maybe we've always done it this way, but there's better ways. There's new ways. There's new things. Be flexible. Be changeable. And that's when God will move in your life because it will only pour new wine into a new wineskin. So tradition is the first one. Number two, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 35. The second one we're going to talk about today is distractions. 1 Corinthians seven thirty-five, in the Passion Translations. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking to a church, and he's encouraging them, and he's saying, I'm trying to help you and make things easier for you, And not make things difficult. But so that you would have undistracted devotion. Serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. Notice he says, but you would have an undistracted devotion. Serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. Some translations say, serving the Lord without distraction." Now, there's a principle here in this verse that's good for everyone. The principle of serving the Lord without distractions. Serving the Lord with an undistracted devotion and an undivided heart. That's what God is looking for. And if we could all be honest in here, I'm guilty of this just like you are. We have so many distractions, and that's why we don't get into personal revival. Because God says, "I need you to serve me with undistracted devotion, and that's when I move in your life." Now we live in the age of distraction, and you know that. Some of you can't even concentrate on what I'm saying right now, because you got to check Instagram. It's that bad? Is that bad? We live in the age of distraction. And you realize a hundred years ago, there was distractions, but nothing like today. Guess what you did? You woke up, you fed the cows, you worked at the farm, you came home, you ate dinner, and then you did nothing. Why aren't you laughing? You did nothing. No TV, no Xbox, no cell phone, no computer, Nothing. You ate dinner and you said, let's listen to the radio for 30 minutes and then we're all going to bed. No distractions. (laughs) That was just 100 years ago. And think about for thousands and thousands of years in human history, that's the way people lived. But in the past 100 years, it's hard to even imagine the level of distraction we live under every day. I'm just as guilty as the rest of you. I have a cell phone addiction just like you do. Distractions. Distractions. And so we don't serve the Lord with undistracted devotion. We don't serve God because we're too distracted all day. Now, I know you're quiet because I'm stepping on all your toes, (laughs) including my own. But hear what I'm saying: distraction is a hindrance to personal revival. Think about this. Just even 50 years ago, there was three channels on TV. That's right. Yeah, I liked it back then. All right, nothing's on. Turn it off. Today, there's thousands of channels, thousands of shows, and you don't even have to wait till Thursday night. You got Hulu and Netflix. I'm going to watch it ahead of time. You don't have to wait. With the internet, you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to check out a book. You can just look it up online. You have in your pocket the ability to talk to thousands of people from all around the world at any time on social media. The level of distraction. You not. You don't just know the business of your own family and friends. You know who's in Africa, what they're doing and what they're eating for breakfast tomorrow. Do you need to know that information? No, you don't. You know what the person in England did for lunch today. You don't need to know that. And we live in the age of distraction. Come on, are you hear me today? And distraction is one of the number one ways that we don't have personal revival in our lives because we're too distracted. You can't read your Bible because you're too distracted. You can't listen to a podcast that's helping your spiritual life because you're too distracted. You can't even pray anymore because you're too distracted. And so what happens? We put God on the back burner of our life saying, I'm going to catch up to you eventually, which is Sunday morning next week, because I'm too distracted. And if we're not intentional about this, we will be swallowed up with distraction and the truth is all of us already are now that's what a pastor does he tells you the truth when you don't want to hear it because we already are and if you want to have revival you got to live an undistracted life i hear some of you saying right now in your heart which i know is true that's impossible no it's not it's a choice It's a choice. Just like everything else in your life is a choice, it's a choice. It's not impossible. It's a choice. You make your own priorities. You make your own schedule. And you choose what you spend your time on and what you give your life to. You choose that. It's not impossible. And I'm going to say this, it's not going to be easy. But it's going to be worth it. If you live a life of undistracted devotion to God. How bad is your want to? How bad is your want to? Do you feel better when you finish the season on Netflix? No, you don't. You feel like a fat, lazy ogre (laughs) who just wasted mental capacity for hours. You don't feel better. You feel like you need to watch something more because you're addicted. You don't feel better. When you scroll through social media, do you feel better? No, you don't. You feel anxious. You feel depressed. Why? Because you compare your life with everybody else. Do you feel better? No, you don't. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys, you didn't want this. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Oh, I forgot we were in a different church for a second. You guys didn't want me to tell you the truth. Everything I'm saying, I'm guilty of. That's why I'm calling it out. To live a life with undistracted devotion. Now, none of those things are wrong. None of those things are evil. But we need to get our priorities straight. That's our issue. None of the things I'm listing are evil. They're bad. They're wrong. No. But we need to get our priorities straight. God first. God in the center of our life and everything else revolves around him. My time with God is first. My church family is first. My life group is first. Church services are first. And then I'll plan everything else in my life after that. That's the way a true believer thinks because he's living a life that has undistracted devotion to God. And what does God say? When you seek me first, all these things will be added to you. You're looking to all these things to do it, and they never will. But get your life in divine order and watch your life start changing. Get your priorities straight and watch your life start changing. If we want personal revival, we have to get distractions out of our life. We live in an age of distractions, filling ourselves with stuff that doesn't fulfill us. I don't have to tell you that, you already know that. When you're done with whatever I listed and all the things you're thinking of right now, empty. Get one more hobby, empty. Watch another season, empty. You watch the new movie, empty. Oh, you listen to all the new albums, empty. You got more friends than anyone on social media. Empty. Like my recent post. Empty. Isn't it? You feel better. Temporary. I got a hundred likes. I got two hundred likes. Empty. Awful quiet in this Methodist church. Someone tell me I'm wrong. I mean, we all know this. I'm just calling out the stuff that you don't want to think about, stuff you don't want to admit to yourself, the stuff that we all are dealing with every day, including myself, and no one wants to say it out loud, but it's killing us. Distractions. Distractions are destroying us from the inside out. And notice it's not just destroying our spiritual life. It's destroying our mental health. It's destroying our emotional and mental state. It's destroying our physical body. And that's not just something I made up. You can look up a 100 different articles today that will tell you the exact same thing. What social media is doing to our brain. What smartphones are doing to our bodies. What distractions in the age of distraction we're living in. How it's not just hurting us spiritually and making us empty. It's hurting our mind and our body. Because we're not listening to what God said, serve me without distraction. You can do all the rest of those things, but make me first. Live a life of undistracted devotion with an undivided heart. Distractions. I know it's a somber moment right now, but you need to hear what I'm saying. It's possible to live this way if we choose to live this way. What's the alternative? What's the alternative to it? Getting our priorities straight, getting our life in order with God and his kingdom and his church, getting things in the right place, that's when we really live this life. That's when we really have joy. That's when we really have peace. That's when we really have a fulfilling life. And that you don't have to get it from your coworkers. And you don't have to get it from your likes on social media. And you don't have to get it because you read all the new books and heard all the new music. And your, your kids are in every hobby known to man. No, you don't get it from that. Those are supplements, not the main course. Those are extras, not the main thing of life. Serving the Lord without distraction. So if we want personal revival, we have to live a life without distraction. Now distractions will come, won't they? You can't make that choice whether they'll come or not. Every day of our lives we have so many distractions that are coming at us, but you have a choice on what you do with it. You have a choice on how you handle it. You have a choice on what to make a priority in your life. That's your choice. And I just want to encourage you, make the right choice. We're all in this process together. No one's perfect. I got an issue with it just like you do. But make the right choice. Get the kink out of the hose. Get the blockage. Oh, I don't feel God's presence. Because there's too many distractions. I just don't get what I got out of church at one time. Why? Too many distractions. I just don't feel God's presence in worship and prayer like I used to. Why? Too many distractions. Get it cleared out so God's presence can move. Lastly, we want to talk about pride. James 4 and verse 6. James 4 and verse 6, it says he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Come on, are you receiving something today? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The reason the devil got kicked out of heaven was pride. Because he said what? I will do this. I will exalt my throne. I can do this. I can And God said, "No." Pride was the Bible said, "Pride comes before a fall." And God opposes the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we want personal revival in our lives, we need to be a person of humility. Now, once again, what what are some hindrances to personal revival? Distractions. Distractions, pride, and tradition. But pride is really at the root of all the rest of these things. Because when we're proud, we think that we can do it without God, and we can't. Pride gets us into thinking that you're just that good at what you do at your job. That the house that you lived in is because of your might and what you did. The car you drive, your kids, the money that you have, it's because of you. And pride says, I can do it without you, God. It's the original sin. Adam and Eve did it in the garden. I could do it without you, God. Because you're trying to hold back on me, and God wasn't trying to hold back on them whatsoever. That's the original sin, pride. And if we want personal revival in our life, we have to get the pride out. God says he resists and opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Now, what does grace mean? Grace is God's ability. I don't know about you, but I need God's ability. I need God's ability to breathe. For starters, I need God's ability to walk. I need God's ability to drive a vehicle. I need God's ability to speak. I need God's ability to eat. I need God's ability to raise a child. I need God's ability to do everything I'm called to do. And without him, I can do nothing. Some of you really don't think it's that way, but it is that way. You could not wake up in the morning without God giving you breath. Let us never forget that. Some of us walking around like we did it. You know, you got that pimp walk. Straighten up, you didn't do it. If you look good, you didn't do it. If you're gifted, you didn't do it. If you live in a nice place, you didn't do it. If you're breathing today, you didn't do it. If you have the ability to be at church on a Sunday morning, you didn't do it. Is anybody receiving this other than Miss (laughs) Marion? But we all get there, don't we? We forget about God because we live in such comfort. We live in the goodness of God for so long and we forget. That's why God said so many times in the Old Testament, when you get there, guys, don't forget about me. (laughs) When you get into the promised land and everything's great and you have houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't dig and pools that you didn't own at first and you get all these things and everything's good now and you got a good job and you got a good family and you got a white picket fence, a goldfish, and a cat. Why? Forget about me. Because I'm the one who gave you the power to get it in the first place. And Lord knows you wouldn't be a spiritual person if you owned a cat. (laughs) So you know that was wrong right there. God said you're in the promised land, but you got a devil living in your house. That's what he said. Joking, joking, kind of, kind of joking. Nothing wrong with an outside cat, right? Yeah, just don't bring them in your house. And that explains Noah Stumler, doesn't it? Didn't you think that was not right when he got attached to that cat at their house? Yeah, there's something about that. It's not right. It's not godly. Got a scripture? No, that was just a word from heaven. No scripture. (laughs) I was just, I was a prophecy. I was a prophecy. I had a few cats at one time in my life. I did, I did. I'm not against them. I just just had to do it. So. Ushers, somebody. Get her, please. Drag her out if necessary. We're we're about done here. But God opposes the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And notice, if we come to God every day like that, you're going to have revival. If you wake up with that attitude towards God every day, being that humble, he's going to say, oh, I'll give you all the revival you want. I'll bless you. I'll heal you. I'll deliver you. I'll give you my presence. But a lot of times we don't receive it. Why? Because we got it. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What's grace again? His ability, his power, his anointing, his presence. What's his grace? His ability in your life to do what you can't do. That's revival. All right, come back to me, all you cat lovers. I love you. I'm not taking it back, but I love you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Could we stand up? Could the worship team come up to the front, please? Did you guys get something today?